AJ Jones, you're looking resplendent this evening. <laughs> thank you. And me? Standing, of course. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> so, tell me about this week. Let's do a catch-up. What have we done this week? Oh, well, we had more conference this week, which was fantastic. It also seems like a million miles away from, from now. It does. That's because we've had a few days off since then, which has been lovely. Yes, work like a dog and then rest, rest like, like a, a cat. Dog. <laughs> as far as I can tell, cats don't do much. So, yes, no, we work like dogs. they're pretty much useless animals. We had a fantastic team who made everything work wonderfully well. It was great to have Chris McClarney back in Grace Center. Yeah, it was awesome. It was and really good. It was Luke Finch's last weekend with us. I know, it was very sad. It was very, very sad. But it was amazing. Give me your uh, top three highlights of the weekend. Top three highlights of the weekend. I loved listening to David Campbell speak. He's just incredibly funny and has a great way of dropping revelation that I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously loved having both Chris and Luke were amazing. Worship was just outstanding. The it lights was. were great. I liked the lights and you know all the stuff that we bring in extra for the conference, which Me makes too. it a bit more fun. And uh, And then I also got to... Uh, sign alongside Annie, who was our interpreter, and it got me back into getting excited about sign and more confident and stuff. So you're fairly fluent in ASL, is that right? I was fluent in ASL. I wouldn't say I'm that fluent anymore. I maybe I, although I realized this weekend I know a lot more than I thought I did. So for those of you who've ever been to Gray Center or Emanate, and you've noticed AJ, uh, you might be thinking she's been doing prophetic finger dancing. <laughs> she's actually <laughs> learning to sign. We're trying to relearn. We're trying to relearn a sign. I'm going to go back to your number one, David Campbell being really funny. David and I had a good conversation afterwards. How much, what percent of his jokes do you think our audience missed? Oh, probably a lot of them. Because he's just got a very British dry sense of humor. Mm -hmm. So You would have thought that I would have prepped our audience. But he's actually, it took me by surprise how dry... He is. And you know what was really funny for me? As a native Scotsman, listening to another Scotsman, I realized how American I've become because I wanted to correct all the words he was using (laughs) wrong in air quotes. So that was amusing to me to go, oh, oh my gosh. And when I finished speaking, he said, you've got a real American accent. He said I sounded like Lloyd Grossman, which will only be uh, an insult to those of you who know who Lloyd Grossman is. That's what he said my accent sounded like. I wanted to talk about uh, the last night David spoke on the glory. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about not knowing what to do as a church leader when the Holy Spirit shows up. And just knowing that you don't want to touch it. Right. Like, uh, I know we don't shut this down. I don't want to presume that I know what happens next. So we're waiting. And there's this tension. I don't really feel tension from people per se. I think I feel attention because I like knowing what to do. And when I don't know what to do, the last thing I want to do is think I do know what I'm doing and offend the Holy Spirit. I say offend the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's not easily offendable. But at the same time, you know, we spend all this time praying for him to come and the presence to manifest. That I don't want to rush into, oh, great, the presence is here. Now let's get people saved or let's get them healed. Or there's something about actually acknowledging and waiting and, that's one of the things that Jeff Dollar, our senior pastor, is so good at, at not rushing. Anyway, we got Jessie early up to sing. And Jessie's just got this anointing on her when she sings. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Oohs and ahs. I, I, I mean, it's just incredible. 
several people came up to me on the weekend and said, you know, if Jesse would just record a CD. Of oohs and ahs. <laughs> exactly. It would fly off the shelves. It would. <laughs> so Jesse, perhaps that's a word from the Lord for you. Too many words in your music. Just oohs and ahs will do. <laughs> if you missed any of the more conference, um, all the MP3s from the sessions are available to download at musthavemore.com. And we're very pleased to announce that we, not we, we Grace Center, not we Alan and AJ, have been working on a top secret project to finally fix some of our uh, ability to watch stuff that's been pre-recorded. We now have a YouTube channel. So if you were to go to youtube.com slash TV, you will find all the videos from the conference, almost all of them. The Saturday morning session I was speaking at, we didn't get recorded, but all, all the sessions that's, uh, recorded. That's very sad because you were so handsome. I was very handsome. Mm-hmm. Which you can't tell from the MP3 audio either. So <laughs> I mean, you'll just, the world ne- they'll just never know. It's yeah. so sad. But if you want to go watch um, any of the sessions, go to youtube.com slash gracecenter.tv. And over the next coming months, we're going to be curating sermons, prophetic words, and video content. So it's going to be much easier to to find stuff. Because a lot of people said, you know, we can watch online, no problem, by going to Ustream. But if we want to go and watch something that's been previously recorded, it's a bit of a nightmare to find stuff. And so we've been listening to you. And thus, Grace Center has worked hard to produce a YouTube channel for you. So go check that one out. All right, darling, we worked like dogs. Jeff Dollar very kindly gave us the rest of the week off. Yes, he did. What does is, what is downtime for the Joneses look like? Well, uh, lots of cuddling. Our- I love sexy cuddle time. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Oh. <laughs> yeah, with our kids. <laughs> our poor kitties. Um, yeah, Tia's had like a low-grade fever for a couple of days. So she's been... Super cuddly, and MJ is always super cuddly, and Abby is just full of energy. And so, as long as she's coloring or got a game to play, she's pretty much okay. But uh, I got to do lots of dates with them. Yes, you did. I love Daddy Daughter Tate. Abigail took me to the library. Now, I have not been in a library since I was in university, and they still I, exist. <laughs> I was shocked to learn that they exist. Mm-hmm. More than that, I was shocked to to realize there was normal people that went to them. I'm not sure what I was expecting. <laughs> But I was in there and I was like, oh my gosh, this is packed. Aside from mm-hmm. the fact they had VHS cassettes for rent. VHS. <laughs> I'm shocking. so sorry. What is this? 1984. Uh, I'm not sure. But anyway, it was really, really cool. I really enjoyed it. The closest thing I could equate it to was like a Starbucks, but without any coffee. And instead of coffee and coffee paraphernalia, there was just books. It was a really nice atmosphere. So Abigail was very excited. She got her first library card. We have given birth to a nerd. She's super excited about that. <laughs> Checked out a whole lot of books. Um, and you were there today for an animal roadshow of some sort. Animal roadshow. Yeah, it was some kind of yeah animal guy. I don't know what you call him. Zoologist maybe or something. That uh, had snakes and uh, f- some sort of weird desert fox and a big owl and you know stuff like that. And the kids could see them. And he walked around and... He brought this ridiculously large, very ugly snake and and had it like three inches from my face. As opposed to the really attractive snakes. <laughs> no, I mean, the little ones weren't as bothersome, but this one was massive. And then it like uncoiled and came right up to my face. And he's like, you're fine. I'm like, I don't feel fine. Get away from me. But anyway, yeah. And then this morning we went to for a walk. You actually got me out in nature. What was your suggestion? Which was I my was suggestion, at. which I, th- I later regretted when we got there, and we realized my phone had no signal. 
Poor, poor Alan. But I was shocked to say I actually enjoyed myself at you Radnor did great. Lake. Yeah. It's a beautiful trail. We went for what a two and a half mile walk. Mm-hmm. Which was a little short-sighted, given poor Tia's legs are so tiny. It was really funny because for I mean Abby's got quite long legs, but for for Tia to keep up with us, she has to jog the whole time. Poor honey, after she hasn't been feeling well for a few days, it maybe wasn't the nicest thing to do. And we didn't bring any supplies, so I just lived off the land. I just grazed on wood chips, wood chips, and <laughs> leaves, and drained a cactus and drank that. Slaughtered my first deer. Sure, drank its blood. It was awesome. Um, no, let's talk about tacos. You're thinking about the deer? Um, maybe. Uh, let's talk about tacos. I like tacos. Yeah. Not I as s- much as you, though. <laughs> I do seem to be in a taco phase of my life where all I'm eating is, is it tacos or tacos? Or tacos? Tacos, tacos. 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 It's definitely not tacos. 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 I don't know. I'm... They're I'm delicious. so confused now that I live here. Monday we had at the More Conference the food trucks and we had Yayo's original Mexican gourmet food. And mm-hmm. they served us some mahi mahi mm-hmm. tacos. And some shrimp tacos, which were oh. absolutely superb. Oh. And then I'm on a I'm on a pilgrimage, I think, to find the best fish tacos in Nashville. And what's your decision so far? Well, Jay Alexander's have some superb, but I'm pretty sure they're not authentic, but they are delicious. Mm-hmm. The Bonefish has some good ones. Garcia's Mexican restaurant has some pretty good fish I, tacos. I thought you liked um, Tzatziki's better. Well, Tzatziki's is a Greek restaurant doing Mexican food, so it was delicious, but it wasn't what I was looking for. Right, gotcha. If you know of the best fish tacos, please let me know. We need to know. And I will investigate. Right away. All right, darling, the topic for this week. Wait, wait, we didn't talk about my new TV show I just found. Under new things, like new restaurants, new TV show. Go on. It's called Riot. And it's an improv TV show where they have like some regular improv artists and then they have in some guest people, like people from, I don't know, Modern Family and stuff like that. And it's hysterical. I like improv. I think it's quite funny. They have to be clever to do it. I haven't seen it. I cannot comment. It's it's pretty pretty All right. We'll go watch after this. Okay. All right. Now, can we talk about our topic for the week? Yes. I thought that we would talk about kids. Now, before you tune out because you either have kids and you already know everything we're going to say, or you don't have kids, so you don't think it's relevant to you, just hold on. Probably the most common question we get asked, well, let's just set the context. We passed our people who the vast majority are not married. And then those that are married don't yet have kids. There's a handful of people who are beginning to have kids, which is awesome. Yeah, it's very fun. But the most common question we get asked is, how did you know when it was time to get married? And the second question is like the first, how did you know when it was time to have kids? So how did we know it was time to have kids? Um, I mean, you were all over me like a rash. You just said my body's like a clock. I mean, I couldn't hold myself back. It was horrible. Horrible for you, I'm sure. That's how I remember it. Yep. Um, (laughs) But in a parallel universe where reality happens? (laughs) I mean, reality... Um, we prayed. Didn't we just pray and we just asked the Lord and I had a dream. Is that what you're talking about? That that know. whole scenario? Yeah, I do remember those things. I don't remember them happening in that order. I just remember one day you coming through and saying, I think it's time that we have babies. And what I heard was, I think we should be having sex more. So I was like, sure. <laughs> of course, that's what you heard. <laughs> 
No, no, but I honestly remember that. And I remember being really, really excited. And then I remember it taking a lot longer than we thought. I, I spoke about that briefly at the Moore Conference. Mm-hmm. But but for what happened for you? Because you went from not wanting. It's so funny when you meet people who are, like, who are adamant, you know. I'm never going to have kids. And I'm like, uh-huh, you're probably not in the stage of life where you're I, yeah. got all the information to make that decision. I didn't want kids when I was younger or even a teenager in my early 20s. I was like, I don't think I want kids. I don't think I'll good, be a good parent. I don't really enjoy other people's kids. Oh, let's talk about that. There's a danger, I think, just from speaking, especially to some of my guy friends who don't have kids, that they think because they don't like other people's kids, they won't like their kids. Can I honestly say, I don't really like other people's kids now. <laughs> I certainly didn't then. <laughs> but, you know, you'd be around at people's houses and you'd be like, oh, your kids are adorable for the first 20 seconds. And now they're constantly wanting my attention. And so I didn't think I'd be good. But what's amazing is when you have kids, God gives you this little grace where you find your own kids fascinating. Yeah. I, I actually enjoy other people's kids now too. Yeah. But, but you know, <laughs> your own kids are much better, of yeah, course. Cause they're no, let me qualify the statement. Of course I enjoy other people's kids. But here's what I thought. I enjoy other people's kids as much as I enjoy the other people. So if I'm around people I actually like, Mm -hmm. I tend to have more grace and actually tend to enjoy their kids. Yeah. If I'm around people that naturally I don't get on well with, I don't tend to get on well with their kids. Right. However, my point in saying all of that was just because you don't like kids now, that doesn't, that doesn't really mean anything Mm -hmm. because God will empower you to actually like your kids. Yes. You brought that one up. Yeah. All right. Then what happened? Well, we had kids. Well, we because we got married really late, right? So I was like, I can't even remember, 33, let's say. And um, so when we started thinking about having kids, it was only like a year and a half after we got married because it was like, uh, you know, we need to get on it like Sonic, right? And uh, something like that. And so I started praying and just saying, Lord, when do we do this? Because we traveled full time. So our schedule was so crazy that I couldn't figure out when we could do this and actually make it work. So that's why I was asking the Lord for something. And that's what you shared about the more conference, about mm-hmm. that whole dream and all that stuff. And then we started trying. It took us 10 months to get pregnant. Which, you know, it seems like from speaking to people, people either have one of two experiences. One, they're like, yay, we're going to have kids. And they try and nothing happens. And they're kind of shocked. And and speaking to our GP, they were like a normal couple who with got nothing absolutely wrong nothing with wrong with them. Yeah. Takes at least twelve to eighteen months to conceive. Like it's yeah. not shocking. I shouldn't say it takes twelve to eighteen months. I said they're not shocked. They're not surprised. By yeah, that. she said she wouldn't even recommend me for any tests or anything until it'd been eighteen months. Right. Then on the other end of the spectrum, there's people who are like, "Oh, he just looked at me and I got pregnant." Yeah. But that wasn't our experience. It took us no. a while to get pregnant, which was, again, spoke about that at more conference, filled with uh, tension. It's an emotional roller coaster. Emotional roller coaster. But then a baby comes. A baby comes. And I don't know what happens. I don't know how. You all of a sudden love something in an instant. See, I didn't. That's the thing that I have to say to guys. Like, I was a little bit shocked because when the baby was born, the baby being Abigail whom I now love absolutely and incredibly. But when the baby was born, I think because you spend nine months having an emotional attachment. Yeah, and, and just feeling you, her move and yeah, pushing I'm, on her feet. I'm not really and, part of any of that. And especially at labor, I, you know, I just mostly stayed out of the way. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> which is like, am I doing this right? <laughs> am I rubbing your head the right way? I'm not sure what I'm doing here. 
and because our the birth of Abigail was pretty um, tense, and especially the seven days afterwards, I didn't really have an emotional connection Tough. until she came home. Right. Uh, but still, all of that doesn't really give you game plan. So I want us to talk about baby wise for a second. Yeah. Okay. Talk about talk about baby wise as if I don't know what baby wise is. Tell me what baby wise is. Okay. Well, baby wise that's a short name for a book called On Becoming Baby Wise, which um, the author his last name is Enzo. And um, it's a way of training your kids. Uh, and what you do is you're doing, you're waking the child up, you feed them right away, then they have a period of time where they're awake, and then they go to sleep. And you do the same thing over and over again. But you're basically training them and you have, you know, a schedule based on their age and the amount they should be eating and the amount that they should be sleeping. But for somebody who's never had a baby before, it's a great okay, I have no idea what I'm doing. And it tells you all the things to look for. And because we knew how much she should be eating and she was on a regular schedule, we knew if she was crying at a certain time, she wasn't crying because she was hungry. It was probably her bum, you know, stuff like that. So it actually made life for us so much easier. And she started sleeping through the night when she was nine weeks old. And she was, you know, six and a half weeks preemie. So she shouldn't have been able to do that, but she could. And, you know, all the babies have slept through the night really Fast. Let me just say, not sleeping through the night is not fun. Well, we like sleep. We we do. I actually like the sound of that schedule. I wish you'd put me on a baby wife schedule. <laughs> Let's all go on it. I would like to sleep and eat. And <laughs> what was the other one? I just like to play. sleep and eat. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, play for sure. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up on that because we didn't have a clue what to do. Right. And when you're pregnant, like every stage of life, you buy a car, everybody starts giving you unwarranted advice. Mm-hmm. You start dating, everybody gives you unwarranted advice. You mm-hmm. start getting engaged, et cetera, et cetera. You buy a house, everyone's like, hey, you know what you should do? And so when we had a baby, we just started looking around. And a lot of the people who had really stable family lives with great kids, where it seemed like the parents were managing the household and not the kids, we realized, oh, they all did baby wise. So we started with Well, that. I asked. Yeah, yeah, I started asking. Yeah. It, it saved our life. And it sh- we should probably put in that note that, we're both planning people. Yes. So it really saved our bacon. Yes. Absolutely saved our bacon. I'm amazed how controversial baby stuff is. Oh, well, it makes sense because I think as soon as somebody else comes along and says, well, this is what I do, often because we're so, we feel so um, protective of how we raised our children that it can feel like the person is saying what you did is wrong, which that's not what, you know. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's just this is what worked for us. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's a great thing to do with babies, but I don't think that it's wrong if you decide to do something else. Right. And you've helped lots and lots and lots of moms and new moms learn baby-wise. Yep. In fact, you run a class on it. Yep. You have some cheat sheets. Mm-hmm. You actually have a blog called lovemommying.com. I do. Where you uh, write about all that sort of stuff. I was thinking about my favorite thing about being a parent. My mm-hmm. favorite thing about being a parent is all the different stages of parenting you go through. Yeah, which, so fun. You know, for those of you with teenagers who are laughing right now, going, ha, 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 wait teenage wait. years. <laughs> I realize that my eldest is seven, so maybe I've been in the glory days of parenting. But I, I just love watching my kids grow from being completely inept and unable to do anything, feed, clothe, mm-hmm. communicate. Mm-hmm to having really powerful children like Abigail and Tia are really powerful in their communication, expressing their thoughts and feelings. 
They're getting Needs. really good at communicating yeah. to adults. And I just love all that. I love the different stages mm-hmm. it requires. I wanted to ask you, what what's your top three things that you love about being a parent? I'm just dropping you on the, on the spot there. Um, top three things I love about being a parent. I guess probably just getting to cuddle them and squish them and love them. And I mean, they're, they're yours and there's enormous amount of responsibility and stress that I guess could come with that. But I just love that they're mine to love and they're mine to, yeah. Right. That's number one. Um, I love watching them learn stuff like anything, whether it's learning to walk or learning to roll over or learning how to read or, you know, it's, it's so exciting and it's such a trip to watch the joy that they have to learn something new. And third? Mm, Ask me what my favorite thing about. Did I already say cuddles? Ask me what my favorite thing about. (laughs) What's your favorite thing about having kids, darling? Making them. Oh, you are so sad. <laughs> all right. Were you Chip thinking Judd. about that all day? <laughs> yep. Jib Judd, our dear friend, he's once said, you know, on reflection, he said, I think parenting is the hardest thing I've ever done. What do you think has been the hardest thing about parenting? Um, I don't know. There's probably a bunch of small hard things. I, I think I don't like it any time when I feel like I can't help them as much as I'd like to. So, you know, both Abby and Tia went through a stage where they had nightmares and, you know, we could pray over them and put them back to bed and comfort them. But, you know, I just wanted them to not go through that. You know, MJ right now is teething and he's in pain and there's not a lot I can do about it. That So anytime when they're, you know that they're in pain Mm -hmm. and my heart would be for them not to be and I can't fix it. That's a good answer. Thanks. I don't know what my hardest thing would be. I think I think the thing that surprised me is how resilient kids are. Oh, they're amazing. Like I think about how often I have screwed up as a parent, how often I've perhaps lost my temper or not been as gracious as I've wanted to be or I've said something that I think is okay, but then the look on their face tells me it wasn't. Like I, I just think about how resilient and how forgiving and how gracious they are. I think that's astonishing. But I think the hardest thing is, is I don't know if this is right, but maybe there's a nagging feeling that you're, that you, there's lots of areas you could improve in, in your yeah. parenting. Yeah. And maybe I'll go book a session with the Kilfers on that one. But maybe we should book one together. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you would call that, but the sense of, you know, in your professional environment, you know, there's, there's grace for continual mm-hmm. development, continual mm-hmm. professional development. Or lifelong learning. And that's fine. There's grace for that. You know, you start as a junior architect, for example, and you aren't given all the responsibility of a senior architect, but you grow and you make mistakes and your mistakes are covered by seniors. And, you know, the, the, there's an understanding that you're growing in it with parenting. I think, especially because nobody's auditing you, nobody's telling you how you're <laughs> doing, you're left to self evaluate. And we're often our worst critics. Yeah. So inevitably, you, you, and there's no suck. training period. It's just, ta-da, you have a baby and you're supposed to know. But I'll tell you what really helps yeah. in that environment. Take your kids to Walmart. Then you realize, I'm nowhere near as bad a parent as some of these people. Oh my. In place. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment there, right? <laughs> no judgment. Just all jokes. You're, you're hysterical. I remember this one time. 
um, I had been in Publix and I'd seen this child absolutely melting down in Publix, like on the floor, kicking and screaming legs, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, I said to the person that was with me, I just want you to know that I am not judging either that child or that parent because I don't want to actually have that happen myself. And I know that that's how these things work. And so I just, I, I felt really sad for the mom because she seemed really embarrassed. And I was just like, it's okay. And I just walked away. Well, like two days later, the only, one and only time when one of our children has melted down was in Whole Foods, which is kind of like a posh grocery store, grocery store. Um, Tia fully melted down, like screaming in the cart, melted down. And then there was people from the church that came around the corner to see if somebody was being murdered. And it was me and my child. So that was, that was awesome. Moments when you give yourself grace. Yeah. But anyway, all of that to say, parenting is, is awesome. Here, yes. Here's the simplest example I can give is I had absolutely no interest in ever going to Lowe's or Home Depot or investigating do-it-yourself projects or, you know, home maintenance when I rented a house. It just didn't even cross my mind. But the day I bought a house, something switched inside of me where I wanted to learn how to clean gutters and, you know, wire this and that. And, you know, suddenly I care about all of this. It's a bit like, you know, when you have a, you know, that's probably the simplest example. It's like that when you have a kid, suddenly there's this whole world that you were previously unaware of and utterly uninterested just comes online. So if you're thinking about having kids, but you're terrified, don't be terrified. Yeah, I mean, the I, grace comes with them. I would honestly say having kids is probably one of the coolest things, certainly the best thing that we've ever done. Mm-hmm. And we've done a lot of really cool stuff and, you know, been all over the world and, had a lot of fun and tried crazy stuff, but I wouldn't trade any of it in for our kids. Like they're just amazing. Yeah. No greater joy, I think, than being a parent. Yeah. And having kids. And I think it's fine to learn from other parents. Like I have moms that just completely inspire me, you know? Oh, sure. You know, and I watch them and I just think, okay, I can either sit here and feel insecure and self-conscious or I can actually learn from them and realize, hey, I can do that. I can... I can learn to, you know, have fun with my kids like that person is or, or you know, be more proactive in reading like that person is or, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So I think I've just realized I've got a lot to learn, but I'm okay with that for the most part. I mean, I have my days when I get down on myself for sure. Um, but I'm trying to look at the people around me that I'm looking at their kids and they're realizing that they're awesome and they're doing job. an amazing job. And as a result, I'm trying to learn from them. Right. I um, was thinking two uh, podcasts ago, we were talking about marriage. Mm. And I think I made that line that the kills, uh, not the kills, the Sanford said that marriage is designed to kill you. Mm-hmm. But children, so like marriage is designed by God to kill the parts of you that need to die. And he brings along an accelerated agent called your spouse. But in the same breath, they said that children are designed to bring healing. Mm. And I think about the healing that we personally have had through having kids. Like I'm a better person. I'm a better nurturer. I'm a better spiritual father. I'm a better pastor. I'm a better husband since I've had kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I noticed when you had Abigail, a baby girl, you suddenly got way more in touch with your feminine side. You had oh, yeah. all this healing. Yeah. You started wearing pink. You started wearing dresses. You started yeah. putting bows in your hair, all this sort of stuff. And there's something 
about having kids, I think that God does an amazing job in terms of bringing healing. I don't remember putting bows in my hair, but okay. <laughs> you did. I remember. Visual. Or yeah. it's like little house on the prairie. You were. You were like I Heidi. A little Canadian, non-Scottish Heidi. <laughs> she had bows in her hair, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, let's wrap this bad boy up. Um, I wanted to say a very special hello, and we miss you, to hello. our dear friends Ryan and Katie, who left today. We record these on a Thursday. They flew out to Mozambique. And they're off to do the Harvest School for three months in Pemba in Mozambique. We miss you already. We love you guys. And our dear friend Quinn, oh. who travel back to Scotland. Goodbye, Quinn. We miss you, but he's in a land of Cadbury's yep. and decent chocolate. It's it's a good place to be. We um, launched a new school video at the Moore Conference for the School of Supernatural Life. We'd love you to check it out if you visit the YouTube channel. Uh, that I talked about before, or if you check the show notes, there'll be a link to the video. We'd love you to watch that, and we'd love you to pray about coming to do the School of Supernatural Life. It's an eight-month school designed to absolutely transform your life. AJ and I help run that, along with an amazing uh, bunch of uh, people from our church, our staff, and our pastors, along with visiting speakers from around the world. It's an awesome, awesome investment. If you're interested in that, go to schoolofsupernaturallife.org. But the reason I'm mentioning this is the deadline for applying is June 15th, so you need to make a decision, fill in the application pretty quick. Until next week, we say goodbye. Same bad time, same bad channel. Hmm, no? Okay, goodbye. <laughs>